0: the first 11 verses. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead." For this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins, Through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen.
1: Thanks, Phil. Well, you may remember from the introduction to this sermon series, which our minister David Whitlock gave us at the beginning of June, that Peter wrote this letter. To encourage his early Christian readers not to give up, not to have their heads down and under pressure because of persecution, but to remember the future hope they had in Christ and to persevere in their present suffering. And Peter needed to do that. He needed to give them a bit of a G up, a bit of an encouragement, because they were under pressure and being persecuted from all sides by the Greeks, whose hedonistic or pleasure-seeking lifestyle they didn't follow by the occupying romans who insisted that the people they conquered worshipped their emperor as god they were also getting hassled by the jews because peter was writing to a gentile which means a non-jewish christian audience and the jewish christians of the day were saying well you know you don't fit in with us either you don't observe some of the old Jewish customs that we think are still relevant to mark us out as Christians. So it was coming in from all sides. And when we look at what Peter actually wrote, translated for us in the NIV, which is the New International Version, the the version of the Church Bibles, it might appear a little bit difficult to understand clearly verse 1 and verse 7 for example however if we bring that language up to date i wonder if it might make things just a bit clearer so i'm going to read a slightly shorter paraphrased version of this passage from the message which is a translation of the bible in modern everyday language and sometimes i know the message kind of works and sometimes it doesn't really Um, but let's let's have a little listen to this and see what you think since jesus went through everything you're going through and more learn to think like him and we've had that prayed this morning think of your sufferings as a weaning away from your old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way Then you'll be able to live out your days free to pursue what God wants you to do instead of being dominated by what you want to do. Of course, your old friends don't understand why you don't join in with them anymore. But you don't have to give an account to them. You need to give an account to God because everything in the world is about to be wrapped up. So take nothing for granted. Stay wide awake in prayer. Most of all, love each other as if your life depended on it. That way, God's presence will be evident in everything through Jesus and he'll get all the glory as the mighty one in everything. So hopefully that puts it more plainly, but there's still one verse I'd like to deal with in particular and that's verse 7 in the NIV. The end of all things is near why would peter and the early christians think that the end of all things was near Two thousand years have passed and the end is still yet to come well in ad 64 around the time the first gospel was written about 30 years after the death of jesus there was the great fire of rome probably started by the emperor nero who was mad bad and dangerous to know And Nero blamed the devastation caused by the fire on the Christian community, probably because they wouldn't worship him as God. And after the fire, the Roman historian Tacitus records that, "'Mockery of every sort was added to their deaths. "'Covered with the skins of beasts, "'they were torn by dogs and perished.'" or were nailed to crosses, or were doomed to the flames and burnt, to serve as a nightly illumination when daylight expired. So some of the Christians that Peter was writing to had seen their loved ones used as human torches. Perhaps we can understand then why they thought that the end times were near. And in a sense, The end times are always near, because we always need to be ready for Christ's return. You see, the word end, used in verse 7 of the NIV, the end of all things is near, is the Greek word telos. And that can refer to the beginning of a final process, as well as its last moments. So the persecution that the early Christians experienced was the start of a final process, that will eventually see Christ return in all his glory, when there will be no more suffering, or mourning, or crying, or pain, or death, when the old order of things will pass away. And behold, everything will be made new. Hallelujah. But until that time, the struggle continues, doesn't it? The struggle continues. And you and I know that the persecution of Christians continues today. We know that in various parts of the world. And so to help us reflect on this, I'm going to divide the world into two parts this morning. Broadly speaking, East and West. In the East, in which I'll include North Korea, Sudan, Nigeria, the Middle East and parts of China, the persecuted church experiences physical persecution, by which I mean Christians are attacked physically in a number of different ways. One of the organisations which helps them is called Open Doors, an international ministry serving persecuted Christians and churches worldwide. And we as a church, here at Breton Baptist, we support their work. And they have what they call a watch list. So this is an in-depth record, they do lots of analysis, they talk to lots of people and they've got 50 countries around the world where it's most difficult to live as a Christian. And these are places where our brothers and sisters must keep their beliefs hidden And where living for God means facing beatings, imprisonment and death. My brother, he works with Open Doors on a voluntary basis. And he spent a week in one of those countries last month. I won't say which one. Talking with, praying with and supporting our brothers and sisters who experience persecution. And it can take many forms. So there's non-physical persecution in this country that he went to. If you're bright and able and you're young, you can't go to university if you're a Christian. They won't let you. You cannot study for a degree. And there's physical persecution. He spent time talking to people who have been raped and tortured for their faith. These are our brothers and sisters, dear friends. Because we're part of a worldwide family of believers. Please will you remember to pray for them? This week, perhaps, you know, when you're thinking about things to pray for, if you could remember our persecuted family. So that's the East, where the persecution of Christians is most intense. In the West, in which I'll include Europe, America, the Americas, North and South, and the UK. I think it's less about physical persecution on religious grounds, and it's more about non-physical persecution on cultural grounds, because Christians don't always fit In. There will be some places we won't want to go to, some things we won't want to do or watch or say, which will exclude us from social groupings or at least from some conversations. And there are some business practices we can't adopt. Many years ago, I was asked by a finance director at the company I was working at the time to go through someone's personal file, personnel file, and Shred a number of documents in advance of an inland revenue audit. And I refused to do that. And it wasn't easy to say no, and um, I got a black mark against my name as a consequence. So living for God in our society today is not easy. You don't need me to tell you that. One atheist scholar noted recently that the self-denial and discipline required to be a Christian in the West is just simply too hard for most people. Peter Lewis, Keswick Convention speaker and former Baptist minister said, in times of danger and suffering, for being a Christian, the great question is, are you willing to die for Christ? In times of safety and prosperity, the great question is, are you willing to live for Christ? And living for Christ in the West, in the UK, in Peterborough and surrounding areas can be tough due to the pressure to conform to the cultural norms that we see in our society today, where sex outside marriage is the norm, where sexualized music videos have become commonplace, where psychologists tell us that instant access to porn is causing a number of health issues in teenage boys and putting undue pressure on teenage girls. And even when we raise these concerns and talk about these sorts of things, we can be accused of narrow-mindedness or intolerance. We can be called hypocrites who say one thing and do another. Or worse still, fanatics who in the past waged war in the name of religion. Either way, we find ourselves out of sync with the world around us, out of step, out of favour. Often our very presence is an unwelcome reminder of God and eternal issues. This will sometimes mean that we're just left out. We're just ignored. Or think, you're just a bit odd, mate. You know, I don't know where you're coming from. Can you remember a time? Just take a moment. Can you remember a time when you were left out? At school, from a family event, from a gathering of friends? And it may have just been a mistake or a careless oversight but can you remember how it made you feel? I can I can remember how it made me feel it hurt and it made me feel deeply anxious that actually I'll always be left out and you know what it made me think seriously about doing whatever needed doing or saying whatever needed saying to fit back in again am I alone in that? is that Something that we experience from time to time? What, what, why does that happen? Well, it's because in us we have a very strong, deep-seated desire to belong, to be accepted. And if we're not, that's distressing. God understands that, though. He does. He knows. He understands. He, Jesus went through exactly the same sorts of things, sorts of pressures. That's why he's given us our brothers and sisters to accept us, to welcome us to give us a place where we can belong that's why we should not give up meeting together we should keep coming and Andy was talking last week about the importance of us living in harmony together loving, supporting each other because it just makes our life as Christians which are hard anyway, so much easier so that's why coming to church on Sunday is important, even though there's so many other things that you could be doing. Being involved in the men's ministry or the women's ministry or connect groups or praying with a prayer partner or the prayer ministry team who are always faithfully available at the end of each service. I think that's wonderful. Always faithfully available at the end of each service. So let's take stock and see where we're up to in this sermon so far. We've been looking at a letter which the Apostle Peter wrote to Christians who were being persecuted, physically persecuted for their faith. We brought that up to date and we saw that Christians are still being persecuted for their faith, physically, mentally, emotionally, in our world today. We've now moved on to talk about the importance of our brothers and sisters in helping us to cope with that persecution. And so we can be in a community together, where we do belong. And it's that strong sense of community amongst us that can bring health benefits, believe it or not. There was an article recently on the BBC News site with the following headline. Religious people live up to six years longer than agnostics and atheists. It was reported that people who practice religion live up to six years longer than their agnostic and atheist peers according to a new study based on obituaries in newspapers. The study, published in the Social, Psychological and Personality Science Journal, found that people whose obituary mentioned that they were religious lived on average an extra 5.64 years. The authors um, of the report suggested that this could be because they're more likely to abstain from drugs and alcohol, And they're more likely to be actively involved in a community of like-minded people. In this case, the church. So even though you might find your brothers and sisters irritating from time to time, (laughs) they might actually be good for your health. And of course, there's a biblical imperative, isn't there? If we look again at verse 8, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Verse 9 offer hospitality to one another without grumbling in verse 10 each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others now this might make us stop and think well what gift can I give to my brothers and sisters well I'd like to suggest a gift this morning the gift of our listening ears there are always opportunities to offer this gift for example you know sometimes you sort of you might come to church on a Sunday and it's been one of those weeks where you think oh, oh what a week and you've got things spinning around in your head and you've got your own stuff that you're trying to deal with and you go to the back after the service to get a cup of coffee and, and then someone comes and they, they collar you and they want someone to talk to they want someone to you know offload their burdens onto they want someone to listen to them and you're thinking do you know what i've had such a week oh really you know, but it's then that we can offer this gift that the passage talks about. It's then that we can just say, OK, I'll take a moment and I'll offer you two gifts, one of each of my ears. And why should we do that? Why should we do that? Why should we put others first, even when we don't feel like it? Well, firstly, it just comes with the turf. It's part and parcel of being a Christian. We give help because Jesus encouraged us to love our neighbours as ourselves. And we do it because there have been times when our neighbours, in this case I mean our Christian brothers and sisters, have done that for us. When actually they've not had the time, or they've been busy. But they thought, do you know what? I'll just take a bit of time and I'll listen to you. And that's been helpful. I've benefited, benefited a number of times over the years from brothers and sisters in this congregation who've taken a bit of time to listen to me when I've been coming close to the end of my tether. And that has been hugely helpful. And we all come close to the end of our tethers from time to time, don't we? (laughs) We all think, I've had enough, I can't take any more. And the trick is not soldiering on, I think, when we need to stop and ask for help, when we need to be honest with ourselves and say, do you know what? I'm not sure how I'm going to say no to this temptation in the week or face this hostile person or go to this medical appointment when I get my test results back. Don't know how I'm going to do that. But I do know I can ask God to strengthen me and I do know I can ask my brothers and sisters to pray for me. You see, we're in good company this morning, surrounded by people who will help us keep going when it gets tough, when we need to stand up for what we believe in, when we're worried about something. So please do come and spend time with the prayer team this morning, if you'd like to. They're tremendous. It's a great ministry. And they'd love to pray with you. They'll be over there in the corner at the end of the service. And they'd love to pray with you and help you be strong and live the sort of life that God wants you to live. And that will mean persecution in one form or another. We can expect it. However, with the help of our brothers and sisters and with God's strength, we can endure it. And if you're here this morning and you don't belong to God or a family of like-minded Christian people, if you don't know Christ as your saviour and friend and you'd like to, please speak with me after the service or the person you came with. We'd love to pray for you. So to conclude, over the past few Sundays, we've looked at the first letter of Peter, written to the persecuted church to help them live for God. We've looked at what it means to live for God as Christians in today's world. We've seen that it's still tough going. And we've considered how we can help each other to truly live for God in all we say and do. But it's not easy, is it? Because the pressure to conform is strong. And that means that sometimes we won't live up to our own expectations, let alone God's. So again, if there are areas of your life you think you know, I just need to get that one tackled, Um, or even if it's not completely tackled, let's be realistic, just get a little bit better, a little bit better, get to closer to the place that I want to be. Then again, the prayer team will be available. Let me finish with an encouragement. I'm going to read out some modern-day Beatitudes or ways in which we can live for God. These have been written by a chap called Doug Gay, who's a lecturer in practical theology at the University of Glasgow. Listen out for those you think apply to you. Blessed are those who don't drive in the bus lanes. (laughs) Blessed are cyclists who stick to the cycle lanes. Blessed are those who know how to queue. Blessed are those who know when they've brought enough stuff. Blessed are those who ask what's going on. Blessed are those who vote. Blessed are those who rage against the machine. Blessed are those who want the world turned upside down. Blessed are those who need others. Blessed are those who are not so full of themselves they don't have time for others. Blessed are those who know they've fallen short. Blessed are those who know their need of God. Blessed are those who trust in God's grace to help them. Blessed are those who trust in God's Son to save them. Did you see yourself in some of those? I can see a few nods and smiles. Then you're living for God and he's pleased with you as the worship team come back up, let's pray.